Hey, welcome back. It's Food News and Choose Radio. Thanks for joining us. Today's show is sponsored by our friends at Sullivan University. How's everyone doing? Hey, Sylvia, Jeremy, out. I want to. I just want to give a mention here. Yeah. To Chef Jeremy Ashby. Mm-hmm. You want to guess what talent I discovered in him yesterday? I'm guessing it's not cooking. I mean, I know he it's cooking, but you already knew that. So um, it's well, no, what is it's it? It's mechanical ability to change a tire. Change your tire. <laughs> You know yeah, what? That is a rare it. skill today. Uh, it is a, it is a rare yeah. skill. Actually, you said your dad taught you that. Well, yeah, I had a good I mean, dad. I, I mean, like, I know how to yeah. do all this stuff: toilet fixing, basic wiring, engine repair. I mean, he he he, he didn't leave me, you know, hanging. Well, I'm ready to roll. Good, because I was every not every happy. everybody should know how to change a tire. In, you have to. In your I oil. Know. Yeah, well, I don't mess with that. Come on, that's man. a lot. That's I a don't lot. do it. By <laughs> <hand>. <laughs> Although it was pretty cool that you know, Jeremy changed my tire. You know, and also, it, it, I don't know what's more expensive, cooking oil or motor oil. I bet you cooking well, oil. <laughs> and let me tell you about <laughs> tires. <laughs> yeah. So, speaking of which, we're, we're going to talk in the second half today yeah. to our, our friends from uh, What Chefs Want, which is a, a company that, that sells wholesale food and maybe has the best take on what happened during the pandemic no, and it after. Was something before that, though. Um, well, you, so I, it's called this. Creation Gardens was the mm-hmm. company, and Lindy... Um, is is coming on the show to talk to us lindy's you know every chef in town knows lindy and lindy knows every chef in town she's our lifeline Mm -hmm. she's the one she's probably the most helpful food service person out there in the city so whenever it comes to what we dealt with during the pandemic she kind of was a resource and a guide although she had her hands full as well just trying to you know Mm go from selling me chanterelle mushrooms to trying to find a ketchup packet when I see those trucks, though, it still says Creative Gardens, doesn't it? Or am I just creation? Yeah, I think in the that past? was probably their old old logo. I don't know how they've got probably a fleet of vans that it just probably takes time to re rewrap those Must with different be, signage. But, I like that name. You know, it's a synonymous name with me. Um, you know, at first with. Uh, I trusted them with all the specialty produce, and they did the best with local produce. Mm-hmm. You know, they really bought from farmers, and they really made it available to chefs, you know, with for one- or two-day delivery. But then they acquired Bluefin Seafoods, a large seafood company in Louisville, and I think that's kind of where, I don't know, the game changed, and they mm-hmm. became a very, very large food purveyor and and you know somebody that has that kind of buying power is really tied into the supply chain think of how many restaurants they serve you know i mean that's an amazing you know outside of probably a lot of corporate ones i'd say most of your independents use somebody like them um you know they're they're in between a big broadliner and then a small local produce company like one here in Lexington. So they're they're the right size for somebody like Azure who's mm-hmm. not a big corporate restaurant, but also not just a little cafe. Right. So I mean that there and I think that makes up a lot of our industry. You know, outside of your chain restaurants, that's kinda who feeds the population. So the creation not only um, you know, supplies the small independents, but they also have the, the power to do institutions and universities, which I think has been an, a good thing because they offer local. You know, and that's something that institutions couldn't she, get their hands she's on. She's going to talk to us a little bit about that because that and then about the pivoting, mm-hmm. that word <laughs> of what we had to go into both with restaurants and and with why supplies. things fluctuated so yeah. much. I yeah. mean, right now I, I just heard that egg prices are starting are to down. come down. Yeah. Um, but who knows what the next thing will be and why 
and maybe she has she'll have some answers for us as to why you know you go to the supermarket one week and they don't have this or it costs double and the next week it's back down and, and what's this, next you know? right and, and what's next in all the things that are factors or or is this a normalization of yeah. pricing you know should a to-go box cost 40 cents a piece you know these are <coughs> things that's these a huge are, thing 33 cents yeah for that box you take your you know so if you're looking at um, from a restaurant standpoint, that starts to lot. really add up, you know, on a $10 sandwich, you're taking, you know, you're taking a good cut right there where People it used don't to think be about that, do nine to mm. 10 cents. Do you see restaurants changing to more, and I, I, I hate this word because it usually means more, but d- more dynamic pricing where prices can fluctuate yeah, based change. on, you know, based on, uh, you know, uh, demand or the price of supplies at that moment or i guess it's a little tough a dollar upcharge if you get it to go versus eat it in you know i tried that (laughs) several times several different menu changes several different price increases in the second you would catch one target there would be another one you Mm -hmm. know it's Mm -hmm. it was or it wasn't just the chicken that was hurting you it's the price of all those other goods and the price of the oil to fry the chicken in which you never took into consideration when i'd cost out a menu item for azure right i look at you know how many ounces of chicken you know one slice of tomato Mm -hmm. one slice of pickle or two slices of pickle one slice of american cheese we're talking about building a sandwich something right i don't think about what the the cost of the oil to fry the fries that go with it that's right but i don't now, cost, I bet you do i don't think about the ladle of oil that the hamburger goes in on the flat top that yeah. was you know that used to be pennies which is now it's quarters so yeah. that's where i was getting killed you know if i knew that chicken was going to be this price i'll just charge for that but i can't put a value in a price on something that's really not tangible it was the yeah. it was the supporting ingredients and supplies that were killing us well you know they used to have i don't know if you guys remember this and you don't see as much anymore but restaurants used to have early bird menus where you can go in if you ate dinner between you know four and five it was cheaper and then you see uber you you know rideshare services they do what's called dynamic pricing where during these hours the prices go up and these hours that really was just dynamic pricing before that i mean that's what it was might be something that's coming you, i don't know in yeah certain maybe kinds of restaurants. yeah maybe one day yeah. hey if you eat between six and seven yeah. this is the price eat between you know, seven uh, and eight you know what's is... related to that is people uh now splitting meals yes so you see a lot of restaurants that do an upcharge on splitting yes and that's tricky you know yeah and you know i, I i'm back and forth on the ethics of that one mm-hmm. but you know from an independent re- uh, on a friday night your your seat at azure is worth 55 dollars period yeah okay that's that so that's the that's the dynamic we're playing with you know that's an inventory it's it's real estate and we're expecting you to rent it for 55 dollars for two hours so that's a good way to think and i i, I don't mind paying that because fee. The, the music's I, going I on the ambience is going on yeah. the service is going on that's what you're paying for the chicken and whatever i mean that's easy for me to figure out but well, the other things that r- make a restaurant cost so much that's what was in flux guys but generally when a restaurant does that sharing fee mm-hmm. they do something extra like all right we will split it for you we'll put it on two plates and we'll and there's usually a little more well, than check this out. woven shrimp my most yeah. popular yeah. signature item right we serve that with three large shrimp right. on a bed of risotto all right s- split it Mm-hmm. What happens? You can't split one. One and a half shrimp. Yeah. So we do two on each, right? So mm-hmm. we do a little upcharge to 
Which I'm fine with. That's yeah. We, we, we don't want it to be a. Hey. We also don't want to give you like some things are meant for one person, and if you split it, they don't split right. They don't. A split bone well. in pork chop. What am I gonna? Somebody get the bone. Somebody doesn't. You know, like it just things don't split well sometimes, right? Right. So we try to add a few bucks to make it a nice plate. We're trying to make it a meal, not just a little. Do you know sometimes though when I go into a restaurant and the portions are huge, <laughs> I will say I'll say give me half of it and I'll pay for the whole thing. I just don't want to waste, waste food. food. I've seen that in the past. Yeah. Um, you know, some menus I saw, like some entrees can be served at half portions for half price plus a couple bucks. Yeah. What about, not not on the, uh, more on the server side, as, a, as someone who eats in restaurants, I always wonder this, if you eat with a group of people, is it a huge pain, speaking of splitting, yeah. Is yeah. it a huge pain Individual to split tickets. checks? Yeah. yeah. Like oh. when, when someone takes your order, I, I'm never sure what to do. Do you tell them in the beginning? Hey, yeah, this beginning. Be? That's it. That's okay. all you got to do. Do no, the beginning. No pain at all after that. Okay. Because well, now, what happens you is if you've you got do, 15 people and what you're saying is? Uh, uh, the server, I mean, I think it's probably, and I'm not saying at a, at a fine dining restaurant like Azure, it's, it seems like a tacky question. Is this going to be on separate checks? to start out that way but it's it makes a good it okay. it makes it it's gonna make it a lot easier on the yeah. back end yeah because what happens is otherwise you get one big check and then the check comes in and go oh we want this split seven ways yeah and that seems like a pain for the server oh, oh it yeah. sucks yeah yeah it's no yeah, good yeah 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 you know, so really so that's the answer if you're going out to eat and you're gonna split a group with a you know split with a party or say a group yeah say it up front you say it up front you're gonna save five minutes tip. of sorting at the end and then another technology that's come out during the pandemic is like um what do you want to call it contactless pay yeah so you know rpos now prints off a qr code on the receipt right so if that bottleneck happens at the end of the night and this happens a lot in restaurants because you're finishing the meal and then so are three other tables and your server just can't get you closed out but your meal's done you're ready to go and that's when it's frustrating because you're you're thinking about it i want to get out the doors even though it may not be taking a long time so now when we print off the guest check there's a qr code you can just use your phone and pay and walk out i didn't know this you don't have to go for the back and forth of the server you know they drop the check and then then you have to give them a credit card and they go and run that and they bring it back skip all that they drop the check you pay you walk out it closes on the system you can tip on there that's how you save some time and effort for a lot of people because i don't know is running your credit card a, a, a service you really care about like the process of us well also it from, from a and bringing it back and in general from a, a safety perspective mm-hmm. from a perspective of safety it's actually probably way safer for you to do that yourself yeah. than to you know you go to a restaurant mm-hmm. any restaurant any you give someone your card you really don't i mean not that it's ever been a problem but it could be you don't know what happens to your card you do it all yourself yeah. then you're some, probably some fellow i was talking to the other day said that he's he just suspected the waiter was doing something where you know there's easy ways you can get people's credit card numbers and he figured it out, but not, not not anything close to us, but it was just interesting. But it seems like a safer way. You, you know, yeah. you bypass that, you pay right there on your phone, you're done, you walk out. It's 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 good. I like it. I like that. Chef, like you got some goodies from um, that were given to you. Um, yes, Creation you're a Gardens. great customer. So what, what do you have there, and how do you use this stuff? Uh, a little uh, gift bag here from Lindy at What Chefs Want. I've got um, a black truffle balsamic glaze. Oh, wow. Uh, and then it's really awesome kind of first-pressed uh, lemon-infused olive oil. This is one, This is the, probably the best 
one that I've had, you know, uh, made. You know, this is imported. This is not the, the lampera, they would call it the lamp oil that you buy in the grocery store. <laughs> you guys are, probably don't know that, but no. um, this is real olive oil. Uh, from, really? Yeah, from Italy. Um, and and that's the good stuff. So we can talk about olive oil anytime you want to, yeah, so the perils of it. But When you make an infused oil, so basically wow. that's a, a, an, a lemon-infused oil. So you took a good quality olive oil and infuse it with lemon. Now, if you want to do a le- or any infused olive oil mm-hmm. or any infused oil, period, at home, is that a pretty easy process? Um, y- yes. It's not hard. So mm-hmm. there, there's ways to treat this. If you're going to use a really nice finishing oil, you don't want heat involved. you got to have to do some other methods, whether it's going to be low heat sous vide mm-hmm. as in cryo sealing it with like lemon zest we're, doing, we're just talking about lemon oil for instance mm-hmm. right a lot of lemon zest you, of course you don't want any of the juice because juice and oil you know water and oil don't mix right, right. so you have to use other oils and the oils are in the the uh you know the rind or the 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 zest of the lemon so a very very low heat 110 degree steep would do that also there's uh pressurized methods or aggregation if you have a high speed blender that's really what's going to do it the quickest and most uh efficiently now you're going to oxidize your oil by adding a lot of air to it so it's not going to last as long but i wouldn't make a whole lot of you know, really nice lemon oil anyway. It's just something I would use every now and then. But other infused oils, you could, if you're not using a really expensive olive oil, just steeping, just like you would teas. And you can do that with a canola oil or with any oil. You can. What do you do with this? Because I just, you know, I get extra virgin olive oil, but I've never heard of it. I would just dip bread in it. I'm sure you could use it for all kinds of stuff, but I would just dip delicious bread in it and put some salt on it. You're right. So, um, I like using oils like that to finish a dish. So if I, like for tonight, I've got beautiful uh, Florida grouper coming in. Mm. I'm going to gonna do a light flour crust and saute it in butter, Yummy. right? And I, I, it's spring, so everything underneath is going to be green. I'm going for peas and asparagus, almost like a succotash of spring with mushrooms and tomatoes and peas and asparagus and corn and probably <laughs> mint and basil to, you know, have the, the nice colors. But uh, that's where I would just drizzle that right on top because I want to taste the fish. I want to taste the vegetables. I don't want to drown it in some butter sauce, which will coat the yeah. tongue and you don't taste yeah. it. So that gives acid undertones that liven the palate it's almost like squirting fresh lemon juice on your lobster tail or your piece of salmon right uh it does the same same kind of finish to it but also, you can get this in a grocery store you right? can get something like this probably not this quality and, and okay. you know that's why what chef's want is awesome they have the imports yeah, i mean this yeah, is yeah. i you know i shop at the grocery store like everybody else but a resort is not we right. have we have stuff you can't get that's yeah. why you pay us for it yeah, yeah. um <laughs> so that's the also sylvia you take this home and let's say you want a nice salad you've got the best greens from the farmer's Mm -hmm. market all you got to do is rinse them off in the sink and you know get them cold again right drizzle well pick your vinegar of choice add some vinegar to a bowl and then just drizzle that in with salt and pepper and you've got a a lemon Uh. red wine vinegar ret you've got whatever you want this is going to be a great nourishing element in your olive oil to make it instantly delicious without a lot of effort Ooh, that so. sounds delicious. Yeah, that sounds great. That sounds great. Now, you've got an event coming up. Bourbon and Bets. Tell us about that food, because I know it's probably almost full. But Well, <laughs> this one is our most popular event, but if you're, you're hearing this today, I'd say you have till about Monday to get a to reservation. Now, this one's going to be... Um, 
What's the date, Sylvia? I can't even remember what day we're doing this here. Uh, bourbon and bets we are 27th. doing on the third of May. Third of May. Yeah. So, so yeah, and, and right. that and we so the derby's on the sixth, right? right? Always, so this is a few days before the derby. And we always pick this day because that's the day the post picks are mm-hmm. for Oaks mm-hmm. and Derby, and that's for Ellis and Star, Ellis the King. Yeah, he's coming uh, on in a couple of weeks. You know, we'll be um, you know selecting his horses, which he'll bring his pick sheet to the dinner and come by your table and give you the picks for the Oaks and Derby. And you, but in I'll the need meantime, that to pay for my tires. <laughs> I got four bourbons. I love these. We have them at the restaurant. Always have. Always will. Rowlands Creek, Noah's Mill, Willet. And, uh, you know, a little mint julep with Kentucky Vintage. So those are the four bourbons we're serving. But check out this menu. I'm trying a concept dish. Um, you guys remember those Waldorf and frozen salads back in the 60s? Mm-hmm. Well, I want to try to recreate that. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a, a layered kind of mousse of butternut squash that's chilled and gelatinized. And then I'm going to top it with an apple mousse that's chilled and gelatinized and then i'm gonna take some bacon and crumble that up with Mm. parsley and rosemary and thyme and make this kind of bright kind of bacon gremolata to to put on top of those mousses and then uh, put some spiced bourbon honey and toasted hazelnuts on it and it's kind of a fall dish but rowan's creek is kind of a fall bourbon Mm -hmm. you know what i mean so those tones seem to work for me uh duck calm feet this thing's I, this is a new one for me too. I'm gonna I'm gonna braise a bunch of duck legs and shred them up like pulled pork, that slow roasted pulled pork. But then I'm gonna mix that meat with cream cheese and cheddar cheese and fresh jalapenos, mm-hmm. and make a ball out of it, like a like a little golf ball. And then I'm gonna wrap that in bacon, almost and like it, a uh, like a like a popper. Mm. Yeah, we're kind of like yeah, exactly. We call them pork sounds, duck wraps or something. Yeah. Well, it sounds like your pork buck pork butt. Yep. balls what, what were those well all right that so was on easter they the uh, so the guys good. in the kitchen I'm, I'm sorry this is kind of it was a bomb. probably risque to say on the radio but you know those um truck nuts that hang um on the uh, yeah back of pickup yeah. trucks what yeah. the kitchen called them yeah they're like <laughs> well, we metal things pork put bombs a, yeah uh, but yeah that's that's pork where there was the concept dish to this so this one's going to be with duck wrapped in bacon and then glazed with maple and bourbon that sounds amazing and you honestly and that's something you can make probably at home if you put on the smoker and let it sit and smoke yeah for hours you and can hours smoke duck legs yeah do the same thing or your pork butt you make those kind of but you're better off like jeremy balls, do it for so you. to speak yeah, yeah. You're yeah. Better better off. let me try this for you first yeah make sure it works uh, beef tenderloin, going to grind up Chinese black tea, uh, and then some dehydrated grain, as in spent grain, bourbon, really, mm-hmm. um, and cure a whole beef tenderloin, then slow smoke it, uh, slice that with a hominy succotash, and then a duel of sauces. One's caramelized plantain, and one's a red wine, red wine reduction. Then it's, it, I'm thinking May, it's not quite strawberry season, I mean in kentucky but i think there's going to be some good strawberries out so i'm going to do just a good sweet biscuit uh oh. with an anglaise sauce that i'm you know anglaise is kind of like a custard like just like melted ice cream right but i'm going to do more of a uh almost like a panna cotta style like thick custard to top the biscuit with so it's really rich and then just pour bourbon and sugar on some fresh strawberries and just pour it all over that biscuit that can't and be a little bad. mint sorbet on the side to give you the julep feel no. Yeah. Now, if that's you want to 65 bucks a person, that's great. And you get the Ellis star picks and the, you know, it comes uh, around. I, I got to go before and you, uh, you get to talk to Ellis and you find out he'll, he'll talk to you and kind so of explain. Fun. It's really, it's he really horse racing fun yeah. and approachable because who understands those race sheets and all the numbers. I, I, I mean, right. he's, he's explained to me seven times now. And I still yeah. don't know. 
I well, <laughs> when we come back, and by the way, make your reservations. If, if people want to make reservations, do it before they're gone. How do they do it? Oh, sorry. Uh, AzureRestaurant.com. Um, you just make sure you select the date, May 3rd, um, and then you'll be put into that uh, reservation. Now, you probably will need to put in a credit card to secure that. You can also call us at 859-296-1007. We'll walk you the same process, give you all the details. But, um, yeah, man, this one's not to be missed. And uh, And just stay tuned. The introduction to spring. It's kind of January 1st for Azor. It's like finally we get to wake up out of the winter slumber and cook something that tastes like something. Yeah. All right. Don't go anywhere. Up next, we're going to talk about what the heck happened in the last couple of years and why certain things were, you know, fluctuating in price and certain things weren't. We'll find out next with Lindy from What Chefs Want. Don't go anywhere. It's Food News and Choose Radio. It's Food News and Choose Radio. Thank you for joining us. Uh, you know, we're going to talk about maybe something that a lot of people were confused by. I was. Mm-hmm. We talked about, you know, inflation. We talked about when food is not available, you know, for supply chain issues and whatnot. And on a big level and on a macro level, you know, micro macro level for for restaurants or for residents like, you know, us who go to Kroger and go to uh, Walmart and buy groceries. So no one really understands or restaurants (laughs) why things, why prices change, why they fluctuate, what happened. Lindy is on from What Chefs Want. And this is your domain. Like you deal with the the wholesale food. We're going to the source. Yeah, thanks for being with us today. <laughs> Thank yeah. you very much. It's a pleasure and to be here. Yeah, so, yeah, talking Yeah, to I got to interject. So, Lindy's been one, a friend and also kind of a guide for me for about 20 years now. Like 20 years, wow. Yeah, since I started chefing in Lexington, she's been the person that I buy food with. And uh, through several companies, but now with my favorite, what chefs want because of their variety and quality wow. and just availability. It's it's just a match for a place like Azure. Um, but you know, I, I look to her through the pandemic because restaurants. I'm going to say it. We got it on the chin worse than anybody else, right? Mm-hmm. You guys did. Yeah. yeah. I in think several so. different levels. Yeah. In several different levels. And, and Linda, you're tied into our industry too, so you guys felt it as well. But I couldn't understand what was going on. <laughs> Period. Have we even even figured it out to this day? Well, Lindy was helping me through the year, kind of guide, hey, stay away from this, go to this and whatnot. Oh, that's awesome. Lindy, what happened to our country? What happened to our food supply? What happened to pricing? What's still going on with (laughs) pricing? Well, Jeremy, it was turned on its end. Um, In 2020, I think it was in March, my boss called me and he said, Lindy, are you prepared to lose over half your business? Wow. And I said... Oh, that won't happen. Oh, and it did happen in more. I mean, it happened overnight. Yeah. And one of the worst things about being a fresh food supplier is it's very, very perishable. Right. Oh, yeah. So you can't freeze it. You can't put it on the shelf and sell it some other time. And the first most devastating thing that I observed was my warehouse being emptied completely. Wow. And it was like seven truckloads either thrown away or given oh, away. Wow. Oh, wait a minute. Wow. So the demand was so low and you guys had to throw away supply. Yeah, restaurants were closed. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I guess you guys are going to keep a certain amount of yeah. inventory on hand. You have to. You're yes. a big supplier, oh. right? So it's not like we you were set for a week and then you lost a week of yes. sales. Yeah, and, and, just, and weave in that what I think saved us, Chef, was takeout. 
But maybe oh, it was yeah. a whole different set of things, you know. But oh, did you see that kind of gradually starting to play into oh, yes. your business? Yes. I mean, pivot, pivot, pivot. Remember that word. It's like I, yeah. I don't like that word anymore. <laughs> but um, once we emptied our warehouse out, and we had just built an addition to our cooler that I was very proud of and yeah. filled it up, and all of those items just went you know, either to the goodwill or to the garbage. We had to even pay to dump it. <laughs> it was so sad. But um, like the oysters in Louisville in our seafood department, no one <gasps> bought them, and they were oh. just a big pallet of oysters. We oh, could take them home if we wanted, painful. and we had to throw them away. Yeah. Oh, that's painful. Isn't it's that a painful? pipeline that just came to a screeching halt. And uh, I love it when it's when it's going great, you know, when Keeneland's running and – everybody's doing well it's it's so much fun and that's what i want to get back to as soon as possible but you know this was something we all had to live through equally it's kind of like you're a logistics company you know that's a big word there's a lot you've got to have you know you're you've got the supply chains coming to you and then you've got to disperse it out to all the azures and the different clientele that you have which is what i mean you have well we have seven states we have warehouses in seven states now and in 12 states distribution so how many people in supply logistics quit over the past three years <laughs> yes the truck drivers all quit because they didn't have loads to run so well, sure. that was another factor is the lack of the truck driver wow to you know move the product wow. wherever it needed to go so and um as someone who's not in the industry you know i go to the grocery store and you see and you know it's Eggs have been a little pricey for a while, and there was a, a time a few months ago where they were really pricey. And it always seemed like things were arbitrary. Like, all right, this week it's milk. Last, yeah. then cream the week cheese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One week it's cream cheese. <laughs> yeah, what was that? Yeah, what, what causes, maybe not just for you guys, but for, for everyone, what causes, like, why are one week eggs so much and next week it's cream cheese? I can answer that. Yeah, I've been, That's awesome. I mean, the, the egg situation, there was an avian flu last year, mm-hmm. and all the flocks had to be disposed of because they were diseased so lack of supply you know increased costs Mm. scarce availability um the um the packaging is a big issue okay um that's a manufacturing side you know problem so um the cream cheese it wasn't really the product so much as it was the packaging they couldn't get the thin packaging to put it in so that's one thing that i've heard over and over again is you know we we have bourbon in kentucky we don't have bottles to put it in we have food we don't have ways to package it to distribute and i was hearing that that's the stuff that was stuff on the shipping containers all the paper goods and supplies that i guess we don't make so we couldn't get any supplies Mm. for that but also i mean just getting supplies on the road was hard now this is a big picture question lindy and you may or may not be able to answer it but what could the country do differently because we're throwing away food Mm. we were dumping truckers or tankers of milk down the drain because institutions were open how do why could we not pivot from wholesale to retail quicker what what is there laws in place or what was the whole why do why did we i mean i guess there's just no logistics to get it i don't know yes the retail market thrived during the pandemic. We all had to go shop there and eat and eat at home and stay there. So they've thrived. And I'm not extremely um, focused on the retail market. You're considered wholesale. 
yeah. your account is considered a wholesale okay. account, a school, an institution, a caterer, those are wholesale distributor mm-hmm. accounts. So I was pivoting into the retail market, and we were also getting some things packed retail so that you all can pass them out that are already wrapped and easy to use, uh, like portion-packed products. Explain that again. So retail would be you pivoted to the grocery stores, but you did that with the restaurants too? too? Well, we tried to, but we really are a wholesale distributor. And now we're building our retail offerings because of the pandemic. I believe we have learned that that (laughs) is another market that – can be worked and I that's mean, grocery stores. they're gonna are, we're all going to eat somewhere we right. had to follow the food and where it was being purchased that's so true. i imagine something like let's just you know throw easy numbers out 50 percent of food probably went to restaurants wholesale 50 percent maybe went to retail maybe not exactly but you know just for purposes and then what happens is if then 100 percent of food has to go to retail you have to not only repackage that, but you need SKU numbers, and you have to add additional. So I have a friend who's in there, and adding SKU numbers, you know, can be really tough, especially for new products. So that was probably some of the delay as well, I imagine, right? It was a delay, especially for the restaurant industry, because the manufacturers are going to support the retail, right. and so some of the products that we were selling in wholesale are going to get repackaged as a retail product and sold to retail because it was not closed. You know, one segment of this industry that I heard and God just annihilated, and I I think this is true from what I've been seeing, was kind of seafood. Uh, Because if you think about Mm -hmm. all the landlocked states, I don't know, coastal coastal cities, I think there's probably a constant, you know, in and out of fresh seafood and people eating it in resorts and vacations and whatever and just the coastal life. But landlocked, you pretty much go to a restaurant if you want a piece of fish. Uh, I'm sorry, but, you know, they sell salmon at Kroger's and some cod and yeah. some mm-hmm. things like that. But it's not fresh day boat seafood like you're going to find on the coast or like what, what chefs want can bring in because they're my primary only source for exactly. seafood. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I don't know, has that industry, did they find other avenues or did they just kind of go into hibernation? Because, Lindy, am I wrong? This is I'm just now really starting to see the variety and price. Really? to where it was like pandemic time. Two years later, huh? Some of the fishing was diminished and there was a diminished supply and um, there was no need for it as well. I mean, the the frozen products were gonna become more prevalent because if if there was no fresh market going into these restaurants, these items are gonna get frozen and sold in that form. Right. So that happened quite a bit. Um, It really wasn't the first thing we saw though. The first thing we saw was what you mentioned is the move toward the packaged goods, mm-hmm. the um, portion packs, cutlery, individual ketchup packs was a big issue. Yeah. Yeah. All yeah. of a sudden, you know, <laughs> yeah. I'm selling gourmet ingredients one day and, and, you know, scrounging around for individually packed ketchup the next. Right. And so, you know, but that's what the chefs needed. <laughs> and um, Sure, to pack so, in those the, containers. The packaging went, um, it was very hard to get. Everybody was um, making us wear gloves. Mm-hmm. Double gloves, double masks. Mm-hmm. Remember, I mean, it's just sure. things it they really weren't sure world. what needed to be done. Yeah. And they were going overboard in some cases. Well, what's the new norm? What's the new norm for I, your company and what restaurants can expect? I think that we are going to survive this. We've survived the pandemic or the um, recession in 2008 and nine. You and I were there. Yeah, we were there. We were there and um, we tightened our belts and it just takes time. Um, Getting back to having events again, 
you know, having those, um, like the World Equestrian Games that came in 2010. Yeah, the big ones. Things like that where there are lots of crowds, you know, were frowned upon it uh, post-pandemic. But we need to get back to that because Lexington is a very event-driven town. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think for restaurants in this town and hospitality, April and October make or break this city. I mean, Keelan is such an institution for our economy around here when it comes to tourism and just what we do that, yeah, I mean, I I miss that, Lindy. We want something like that every month of the year in Lexington. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, the Mm -hmm. Bourbon Trail has been amazing to bring outsiders in to tour the different uh, Mm -hmm. distilleries and but it's those things really are coming on back. the map. So, so will you get back to what was the normal, or will there be new innovations well, as a result to, to try we, to forestall what happened before in case it happens again? Yes. Well, what I did in 2020 was try to find where um, organizations were operating. And it wasn't really in the restaurants, sadly, but I was trying to find outlets of sales. And I found some um, feeders, some programs that were feeding indigent families, uh, boxes, preparation of of healthy meals, using produce, local foods, things like that, um, that we could put in those boxes. And there was some government funding for that. Quite a bit of it. Yeah, yes. it was a big, the, the school food movement, mm-hmm. the free lunch for yeah. all kids for a while and, and getting, you know, because they, they were eating have, very well. The, yeah, because school kids and they had all these all this food and they were sending it home with kids this. for the pandemic. And now, I think that was a very good thing for the kids that needed it. I'm, I'm What I'm curious about is how are restaurants, because you dealing, mainly deal with restaurants and institutions, how are restaurants ordering their food differently now than they were? Meaning, are there things now that, you know, either serving differently or things that are more popular now than before the pandemic? Like, how, how are things different in the industry? I think the technology that a restaurant has to offer to allow the guests to order online and to quickly see what the menu is, order easily online is very important. Mm-hmm. That's the type of client we're servicing. And, um, Grubhub, you know, DoorDash, all those people that pick it up, they need to have better product packaging to travel mm-hmm. and, and get home in a good state. French fries. True. That was the big thing, like, during COVID is, I think we, the people were were working, like, day and night on how to make a crispy French fry that, that traveled yeah. well, right? Yes. Yeah. But ideally, we want the customers to come in and get the ambiance of a restaurant, right. drink the Yay. wine, interact Yay. with your server, <laughs> and enjoy themselves and really, you know, what, feel like they got their money's worth. What's the next trends in food? Like, like we had cream cheese. We had, Will those straighten out as the supply chain thing? actually getting better or are we just going to be living with this roller coaster I mean, for a I think while? we will be living with this roller coaster but we've learned from what happened last year um the um the weather we didn't mention all the, the terrible weather. weather we've had the past year that affected the availability of produce um yeah, so that's I was I was wanting to kind of run through some ingredients that were problems over the past mm-hmm. few years. So we started with eggs. We talked about avian flu. Then I started griping about romaine lettuce. That's you know I'm sorry, but as a restaurant owner, that's something that you know it's a high profit item. It's not something you consider in your cost. You know when you get a case of lettuce, it's just it was almost like it was free and it's something you offer. You know, but now it's twenty dollars a bowl or something like that. So. What happened there? Was this weather? What were all the things that happened? There was a soil disease. 
What? Did you not know that? No. No, so we had an avian flu, a pandemic, and a, a soil disease. soil disease. Yes. All in the same, like, like, like 48 month, or not even 24 what, what month period. What does that period. mean? Because all of her was like, there's um, nobody the working with you. The soil had, um, where, in a particular in area? In California. Oh, yes, no, it was just all kinds um, of causing like rust in the root of the yeah, iceberg yeah, sure. and romaine and um, um, epidermal peel, they call it. It's just like a, a browning mm-hmm. and a very poor yield. And uh, I saw fields of lettuce that were totally dying and then like one or two sprouts of a healthy plant. Wow. So the yields were very, very low. So that's one thing. This is California and in, in we don't just eat romaine lettuce from California. These crops will shift from different parts of the United States and then in South America and other growing areas, right? Yeah. Was there any problems? Can, I don't remember this. Were, were trades cut off like immediately but between like Mexico and the U.S. for, for food supplies well, imports or imports? So were we able to source, you know, were we able to get asparagus from Peru and potatoes from Peru when we needed to, or was it all shut down? We prefer to buy domestic yeah. if we can. And I know that strawberries are really tight right now. In California, it's it's been raining. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's, it's hard to harvest in the fields if they're wet and muddy and you can't get your equipment in there. So we're waiting for another crop to come about mm-hmm. um the weather's been a little cold a lot colder than normal and the produce is not growing as fast as it should yeah so we it got, was a slow start we got things and then you have a snowpack coming soil, which, uh, yeah. and then the weather i'm like where's the lettuce and they said well it's not growing it's there but it's not growing yeah. to be harvested to the size that a chef wants so this doesn't look good, Chef. Well, <laughs> I mean, no, not for my vegetarians out there. No, so, it um, all right, another scary. one that got me, Lindy, was all right. We we talk kind of dairy in the world realm of eggs, um, butter. We talk, you know, I think we can extrapolate that. But w- what about oils? Okay, I looked up canola oil, Jeremy. Um, in 2020, it was twenty six dollars a jug. And now it's 59. Oh, wow. So, yeah, because that And then there was thought, also an olive oil blight. There was yes. an olive blight, right? So I was wondering, why is canola oil? Because in Ukraine, I believe it's safflower or sunflower oil yeah, yeah, yeah. and that kind of thing. And what I found was, you know, if one country is having an issue and there's a fear that there may be a shortage of oil, the other oils go up as well. So it's just kind of like a... Yeah. So oil in general, yeah. whether it's, you know, for your car or for your yeah. salad, yeah, people fight over it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oil and, and water. I, I remember we were talking maybe last year that there there was an olive tree fungus, <laughs> and they were worried about that. And so it, it was a perfect, it was just a really. A perfect storm. But we're done with it all now. The good thing is it's all over. What are well, the funny ones? Oh, fingers. Dot, <laughs> dot, dot. We're not done with it. There'll be one next week, guys. I already know this. I think it's this coming. this is the new normal. Is it kind of weather, is. Weather seems to be weird, whatever, you know. Farming's going to be farming. It's going to get increasingly harder as we've kind yeah. of come to see, right? One thing I've always said after this has happened is I will never say I've seen it all. I yeah. used to always yeah. say I've been in this plenty years. I don't say twenty years, but it makes I you say more plenty years. But it makes you more vigilant, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, I, I just don't take it. Some, like I bet at our restaurant, we're more vigilant of what might happen. Yeah, if it doesn't turn you into a paranoid. But you know, I think we really didn't realize how great it was for the past yeah. ten years. And um, we were stressing out about finding truffles for someone, and now we're just worrying about the basics. The basics. Yeah, like not truffles, but mushrooms. You Have know, you seen we... menus change? Like orders from restaurants oh, change? Yeah. Yes. Um, less offerings is one big thing okay. that's actually promoted 
to you know allow the chef not to waste money or you know buy, put a product on the menu that isn't moving that mm-hmm. well and cause him to buy two or three ingredients for it. Can so, I speak on that? Yes, I'm sorry you can to interrupt. do better than me on this one. No, Darren. not better than you. I want to hear your side of it too. But th- that's the only thing I, I've been struggling with. Um, you know, because we have ratios we need to run. Um, cost percentages to in order to have a bottom line right and in food we need it to be i'd say 32 and below i mean if you go much below 28 i don't think people are getting what they're paying for if you go mm-hmm. much above 32 there's just nothing left well mine's been running 34 to 38 for two years right but you know what i've come to find was i just couldn't do what i did before i could not have as many offerings scallops could not be on the menu you know along with grouper and tuna so now we have chicken beef pork you know we have you know items that we can get get and that aren't really really expensive now what that has done is allow me to purchase within my budget in a week and and hold that menu but also have budget left to do a special and that's where we can kind of get our creative right. juices flowing again it's not we, we just did we used to have it all the time now it's very special well, we also, like yeah. you know tonight's grouper but this is the first time i've bought grouper in over what a about year local chef what are you are you doing more are you dealing more with local is that a phenomenon yes. for we have a division called local food connection and there's over 130 purveyors that we work with that are like kentuckyish or kentucky tennessee ohio around us and that's called regional, so regional and local. Um, it's called the just-in-time. So these vendors are allowed to post with us what they can sell. Like if they have 20 cases of mushrooms, they post it, and then we'll go through the 20, mm-hmm. and at that point it goes off the website. So that's a way to sell local. And, and Yeah, to really to make sure nothing goes to waste. Yes. That's a great – on, on that note, we have to end it. Uh, Lindy from What Chefs yeah. Want, thank you. Thank, thank you. you so much for coming. Yeah. You did great. See? Good to see you. It goes yeah, by super yeah, fast. Yeah, 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 All right. We'll be back in a moment. It's Food News and Cheese Radio, sponsored by Sullivan University, online at sullivan.edu.